Welcome into the Esports Network podcast right here, of course, on Esports Network. We talk about the latest and greatest things happening around the esports industry, whether that's the players, the games, whether it's the playoffs, coaches, CEOs, and specifically the businesses behind esports, the things that kind of lift them up off the ground. I'm your host, Kevin Correa, and here to join us today is Thomas Felger. He's the CEO and chairman of Veritas Entertainment, as well as part of the Icon Group. And of course, you're a big time investor, Thomas. I can't thank you for coming on the show and giving us your perspective perspective on certain things within the industry and so i'm sure you have a lot to say but how are you doing today for the most part i'm doing great thank you thank I know. you for having me yeah i appreciate you coming on i know it's a, it's a bit of a time difference here for you it's late afternoon for me it's early morning and so i i i always appreciate when time zones kind of uh refuse to work in our favor and so that's always a good thing to see the sun setting behind you and my son just literally rising up so that's always a good thing to see but uh this is a quick uh kind of uh nitty-gritty bio on yourself of course of course ceo chairman of Veritas Entertainment. You guys build venues under the L, uh, level... Is it LVL or level? LVL. LVL, LVL name. And so obviously you guys build... You a can see it here, right? Oh! On the nice stitching on the chair and everything. Look at this guy. Okay. See? This guy has branding on point today. Look at this. Alright. So uh, on top of that, you guys build uh, esports venues essentially uh, that are pretty much what I would consider uh, unparalleled in the esports industry. So obviously Europe does esports a little bit differently than you, than the U S U S is kind of playing catch up right now, but you guys have been on the cutting edge for a while. And also you guys have pioneered, uh, you have pioneered, uh, is it DOS racing or DAS? That's right. Yeah. Oh yes, it's the brand new entertainment format, mixing uh, the physical elements of traditional RC racing with the virtual world. Which I once I let me tell you really quick, just before we get into the the real interview, when I first played that that Mario Kart virtual racing thing, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I saw what you guys were doing, and I was like, this is way better. Let me just say that it's and a it costs way more. <laughs> hey, the best things cost a little bit more, right? Like if you want to get into gaming. At some point, you're going to have to get a pretty high-end PC instead of sticking to a console. But, hey, we all we all want to get a little bit more into this scene. So, obviously, uh, DOS Racing, awesome, awesome concept. I want to talk to you more about that. But, uh, obviously, like I said, you're based in, in Berlin and in Germany. And so, uh, I, I said, thank you so much for coming on. I know time differences are not a very easy thing to, to schedule around. But I, I know you took your time today, and that was awesome. So, I want to thank you for that. But let's get into this interview, right? Let's see the first reaction about hearing this rising surge of esports and competitive gaming. What was your first reaction to hearing about this as a possible avenue for an investment opportunity? I mean, there is so many things which influences this kind of decision. But as a as a guy who's always working as an entrepreneur and creating innovative stuff for third parties, we thought about okay, let's. Let's go in the industry, which nobody really is yet really professional in. I mean, still esports gaming, there's a lot of things you can say became professional, but still in regards to any other industry, it's a very young industry and not settled yet. Mm -hmm. And it's like a wild west, right? You, you're you like a pioneer. You go, with, <laughs> I mean, you, you start walking into the Western world and you discover new things. And for me, it was clear. After I seen my kids as well, right, getting influenced by this industry really way more than I ever thought I was in there, uh, seeing how they how they deal with it and seeing what the industry does, in conversation with my kids, I clearly saw a path into okay, we need to pioneer in this world and we have to move into west and discover this new land. And what really is interesting in in this is like, I mean, you see the numbers when you look mm -hmm. just at the numbers. 
every business guy would say, okay, you have to invest in it. It's the biggest growth. It's huge, bigger than the movie, music industry together, blah, blah, blah. All the diagrams you pull, you pull up will show you you have to move in this direction. But then the problem is, okay, how? Because you have to find your spot and where you believe you can add something. Mm -hmm. So and that was the toughest part, right? Because I'm not a game developer, so why would I invest in game developer if I don't understand it, whatever, I would stay away from it. And I'm not uh, a hardware manufacturer of any, like, you know, headphones, chairs, whatever. <laughs> so I didn't want to compete there. But what I see, the opportunity, when, when you look at this industry and you see the moving of this industry in the direction where older and older people get involved because this industry grows, right? And it, and it every year becomes bigger. So also we become older. So there's a lot of more people who have a little bit more than a, a one in front of their age. Mm -hmm. um, so you think about, okay, what does this do to the industry? Then we found out really clearly that there's no home for this, for this kind of community yet. You have sports bars, you have whatever kind of setups, uh, but you don't have like a, a, a kind of a community where they can meet and greet and feel home because it's based on their interests or whatever. Mm -hmm. so, so we saw that, we said, okay, we are not an internet cafe, right? We don't want to be a, what, not an internet cafe. This is like, most of them are, I mean, there's some nice ones, but most of them are like, okay, you get a little computer, you pay a little bit for it, and you sit in the dark side of whatever. Mm -hmm. And we wanted, and if you are aware of like Soul House, for example, right? Where the community is about designers, entertainment people, and see, oh my God, it's a, it's a nice setup of bar, restaurant, where people can meet and greet in this industry. We thought this is missing for, for the gaming community, not just esports, but really gaming. So we thought, okay, let's build a, a real, with no cheap money, but really a real build out of a, of, a, of, a, of a community space for gamers, where from the very beginning they know we invested the right money, we put the right thoughts about it, we didn't do it cheap, we, we made it really based on their needs. And when you look at the lvl.global website, you will get a video of the whole thing, which is okay, but not does it not really justice, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So every single thing, we, it's actually right in the middle of Berlin, Checkpoint Charlie, there's no better place in Berlin you can get this. It's nearly 3,000 square meter, which means in American, like 30,000 square feet, yep. roughly. Um, and it's all about gaming. It's, you can sit there, you can get a burger from a, made from a robot. You can uh, play old arcade games so that people like me also have something to play and they still know like Street Fighter or whatever. <laughs> but we have also the newest stuff like with virtual reality games. But then the core is really when you go down is the cage where real esports entertainment formats are played. And it's a, a, a the cage is made for noise cancelling. It's the only one in the world. Oh, you wow. can really play professional games and don't hear the audience because it's in a, it's in a building, right? So we made, have to make sure that the audience can be there and watching them, but not influence the game. And we made that like out of necessity. We, we built something which is our core now, the dome. We call it the dome. And you sit inside there, two, two teams, um, back to back, uh, separated by a wall, cannot hear a thing from outside, and 250 people cheering for them. So we can do really good tournaments, which we host online, but also have physical people there and mix all of this for entertainment formats we're creating. Let me just and say... So that was actually our idea. And, I, and, and if you have a cinema in there, gaming, I mean, high-end gaming computers you can rent, 
you can play with your like startup nights where startups come and battle against each other or just normal people. And a cinema, a cinema I mentioned already, but everything we have there is made to push gaming to the next level. And also we have TV studios in there with green screens so we, because we do more and more formats, which is online and physical and merging them together. And so we have done, I think, a pretty good job in building that up. I mean, I think you've done a killer job. I'm looking at, looking at pictures right now, and I'll, I'll link them in the podcast description. This dome area looks insane. Just to checkpoint, Charlie, this looks absolutely professional level kind of broadcast almost where it's right there and, and people are – it's the, the back-to-back concept of the two teams. Noise canceled out the walls. I love it. It's, it's, it's such a different take on what I've traditionally seen with the, the main stage you know, up front, the, the audience in the back. But this surrounds the players and everything. It's a really cool concept. Yes. And we got actually the feedback we're getting is giving me still today goosebumps because, you know, in Riot or whatever comes in, they uh-huh. say it's a, it's a place gamers deserve. Oh, what, wow. what else can you ask for? No, that's true. That's true. I mean, my biggest experience out here has been uh, eSports Stadium Arlington, which is the, the biggest North American venue. But this is a different take on what an eSports kind of arena should be. And it's, it's a really interesting take that I, I, I hope more companies would take a look at and kind of, uh, you know, use you as an example, if you will, and kind of build different concepts of what I they believe. I don't hope so. I think we should do it all. So whatever. But okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's something to get excited about. It's fine. But <laughs> lead by example. And then, you know, what's it, once once the, the rising tide lifts all ships, it'll it'll really kind of help you guys out as well. Because we can say, well, we were the first. This was the first one. This is the biggest one. This is, you know, all this. But Thomas, I know young 20-somethings like ourselves, uh, you know, I've been kind of, <laughs> uh, kind of uh, reaching for something like this for a while. But obviously, your first reaction was a little bit different than a lot of other people's reactions out of Europe. I mean, what was generally the, I guess, European or maybe German response to these kind of content creation, gaming companies, you know, esports arena venues? Was it kind of a skeptical outlook at first, or was it kind of just like a, a, a general? We have to go step by step, walk you through what this is, and then you'll figure it out once we kind of show you what it is. You know, I mean, I learned one thing in my life, right? By being a serial entrepreneur and building com- some companies and being investors, I don't like concepts where, and it makes sense for some people, but me personally, mm-hmm. I don't like to be careful if I do something. Mm-hmm. If you want to really do something and you want to really be successful, put all in. Because then you have to work your ass off to make it work because <laughs> you put all in. If you do it half ass. You do half as also the business. Mm-hmm. But if you put everything in and you really make a big impact right? and you, and you want to do it right, then you buy by, by lead, uh, by, by, by example, you have to work mm-hmm. really hard to make, it, to make it work. And what we did with the level and, and, uh, and the experience we have in Berlin was we invested 10 million, right? 10 million euros to build something which nobody has built before. Mm-hmm. We don't like, we, we don't want it to be the biggest. This is not about size. Mm-hmm. This was about the experience itself. How can people come in there, feel home, feel that this is really about gaming, nothing else. I mean, a lot of people still think about gamers, it's weird. Mm-hmm. And you know, so a lot of people told us, or a lot of people told me, hey, you should not invest in this, it's too early, blah, blah, blah. And the second thought was, do it slow. Build a little one, build like an internet coffee shop and see how it's going. But how can you do an internet shop and an internet coffee shop and then you say, but the idea is this and let's invest in this once this is full. That doesn't work. You have to show people what your idea is from the very beginning and that you're serious about it. 
So even from the chairs to the lights, whatever was designed by us in this thing. Wow. Nothing is done by accident. Every little corner, whatever, as I said, the table, the chairs, whatever was designed by us on purpose. Either showing the level brand, showing what it means for gaming. If you are a chair, if you are this or whatever, this is how you should look like. And all of this was thought of from the cinema about what is it, what gamers want to see, what is the right resolution, what is the sound of it. So we have the best sound experience in whole Berlin. No club has the same sound experience as we have. Mm -hmm. And Berlin has really good clubs, right? <laughs> I, mean, so, I, I wouldn't know. You, you know better than me. You know, you're younger yeah, than oh, I am. I know. <laughs> and a lot of people probably know as well. But nevertheless, I mean, so what was the... Everybody said, no, no, no. This is crazy, blah, blah, blah. But then we found some people like, for example, Bitcraft was one of the first mm -hmm. really ventures who said, okay, guys, if you do it this way, we want to be part of it. Oh, wow. And, and that was a kind of, wow, okay, people who know the space like them um, saying, okay, we believe in you and we believe in this concept was a lot, meant a lot to us. And so when we build it and we show them the people what's happening, I mean, even in the build out, just to give you an example of what the difference is if you build it right or wrong. We walked in in the build out, it was not finished. We walked in with people like Red Bull, right? Mm -hmm. And Red Bull walked in, 10 minutes later said, okay, we signed a contract. <laughs> <laughs> so we made sponsorships before we opened up with a lot of brands. Why? Because even when they saw the build out, not even really finished, whatever, but during the call, the kind of construction, they loved it so much that they said, okay, wow, we get it. We want to be part of it. Wow. And this is not like little companies or whatever. These are people who know their shit, right? So mm. sorry. For no, you're fine. You're um, fine. <laughs> but, but it's actually, but it was giving, it gives us, you know, we were nervous at the beginning because if you do something like that and I mean, of course, you are nervous, otherwise you're dumb. But we did this and we put a lot of money behind it because we knew, like, it's a little, it does this American movie, right? Once you build it, they come. Yep, uh, yep. Feel the dreams. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, exactly. That's actually what's happening here right now. So, we had built, when we could open it, I mean, there was Corona things, right? So, really tough. Mm -hmm. But we opening now, every day, more and more people come and, come, and we see that our that our business is really like, we make even more money than we thought per day, just right now, because so many people are wanna come in. And, and seeing that, all these different age types of people and just living there and just coming every day, there are a lot of really people coming more, more or less every day, hmm. just shows that it was, this was missing, it was really missing. So back to your question, a lot of people said we are dumb <laughs> to do that and spend that kind of money on, on people who have, which they think all have pickles and are whatever, 600 pounds and whatever, which in fact, it's not true. Um, but now seeing what we do as business, they all actually come back and say, oh, sorry, really, I couldn't believe it, but this is amazing, blah. And the biggest critics now are the ones who come in and looking around and showing their clients what's going on. Oh, see the, the shoes on the other foot. Now it's it's a uh, it's your story is not an uncommon one. It's 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 a very kind of people will always kind of pass by it and they'll come back later once once you have enough of the, of the right numbers in the right place they'll come back and say oh well we we were wrong we were this and that but I, I mean this is this is a common thread I've seen throughout the esports industry not just in Europe but also in North America China Latin America and it's it's a very common theme so I mean also I'm, I'm happy to hear that once you kind of had everything formulated and Red Bull comes 
comes out and just kind of says, yeah, here's a contract. We'll sign it. There you go. Boom. Uh, companies like that, that kind of understand the, the demographic that they're targeting, you're targeting, will always be very open to the, these ideas and these concepts. I mean, even, even just either, like BMW, for example, mm-hmm. right? Which is not really where you think of at the beginning, I don't know if they get this concept or whatever, mm-hmm. but when they saw it and they saw what we do, they became our biggest sponsor. Wow. And in, in no time. And it's, it's kind of interesting to see how brands who know they have to move into a target group, which they don't understand yet, but they know it's important for their future. It's interesting to see how they understand this concept because people at the beginning thought, oh, this guy's just building crazy uh, like buildings or, or like, like properties. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it is, right? From the very beginning, what we do, also with the, with the influencers we were have working for us, is we are creating through the location, we're creating online content through the online formats, we're creating physical events. So one is actually driving the other, and that's what makes us really different. No, it's 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 absolutely uh, lovely to hear that you are succeeding in this space, and um, I'm happy that you know not just in the U.S. obviously, but also in in Germany and in Europe, things are kind of popping off uh, a little bit more excitably than than here at least at home. But uh, I got to ask you're you're an 18 year veteran of another venture with the Icon Group. Um, in your experiences there, has there been a lot of overlap in this like cult of gaming and esports versus traditional businesses and and, and regular sports? I mean, is there kind of a common ground for a lot of people to kind of enjoy both? I mean, with Icon Group, if you uh, just to give a little bit of background, this we're working with like the PNGs, mm-hmm. the big brands in the world, the BMWs, the Mercedes, the, the Fords. Yes. Um, so, so to help them to innovate on their products. But when you talk about innovating products and you talk about new services, new products they have to get out. Right? Every year they have to figure out whatever they have to build in the future, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you think about who is your target group, then at one point of time, you always end up at the gamers mm-hmm. because it becomes bigger and bigger and more people are gaming, whatever. And so gaming is actually touching all the industry, not touching all the industries now. So there's a lot where you feel like, oh shit, if I want to sell in five years this kind of cars, I should probably talk right now to some gamers. And I'll give you some examples. Ford, BMW uh, are all investing or sponsoring now Rocket League, for example, right? As a, as a car meets football, soccer in America. <laughs> but what is, what is more German than, you know, cars and soccer? So, I mean, that should be a German game, actually. But whatever. <laughs> um, but, but you see that, that they understand now they have to pick up the target group way earlier and in different channels than normally do. This kid's not watching the TV channels mm-hmm. and waiting for the F-150 pickup advertisement. But they're playing Rocket League and there's now an F-150 truck which you can get. Mm-hmm. That is a different story, right? And it fits and it makes sense. It's not just a banner you put up there. So I think... What, what I do with my company by innovating for the beauty industry, for whatever, we talk about, okay, beauty industry, how are gamer influencers, what kind of makeup they wear, that they look good actually on a screen like that, on a Twitch channel, on a whatever, right? So everything is touched actually by gaming. When you really think about, um, if you figure out the gaming industry or the community, I think you can help a lot of industry way better than traditional marketing and advertising could. 
Oh, wow, man. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious, right? Because obviously you touch gaming, you, you touch a lot of different demographics with gaming. Where do, I guess, like streamers and content creators fall into that? Are they just kind of like the, the medium that through which a brand can kind of, you know, uh, make it, make a deal with this, this streamer or this, 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 uh, this, this personality and kind of have more outreach through their audience? Or is that kind of just uh, another no, I mean, avenue? I- I, like, I mean, this is my opinion, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I know that some people just shut out now, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the influencer business is like, for me, a little bit done. It's a little bit outdated. I mean, there's still a lot of influencers. They have a lot of reach and do, do a lot of things. But, but I think the channels and all the, particular, I mean, if you look at the ecosystem of gaming, right, there's hardware, there's software, there's, you can actually name anything and that there could be insurances that could be whatever that could, mm-hmm. automotive like for example we are now uh, working on a car which it has the business model of gaming so you don't pay for the car but if you get the car you do like in-app purchasing you do in-car purchasing oh, because yes. it's a gamification kind of and and i'm not talking about playing games in the car it's about having your twitch channels up having your other influencers kind of interacting with the data of the car by knowing the proximity, where you're going, and actually interact with things like, so for example, you do driving by yourself in Shanghai, and let's say you have self-driving mode at a, at a point of view, at a, at a certain point of time, and you do self-driving or, or autonomous driving, and suddenly your channels pop up and interact with you because of proximity and what the purposes of your travel, because they know you want to go to a certain event or a certain location or whatever, mm-hmm. and things changing in the interface of the car because of knowing that. So that's the kind of things we're already working on. So seeing how you know you influence industries like the automotive to through gaming. You can imagine what it does to everything else. Think about insurances, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're working with insurances and think about you can insure virtual goods you buy in, in games that you cannot lose that. Let's say you bought for in-game, whatever, 150 bucks, some goods. Why can you not insure them that nothing happens if somebody, like, I don't know, you you, you crash your game, it gets hacked, whatever, what, things like that. So there's so much new opportunities. And the cool thing about gaming is, you there's no there's no setups like in automotive that's really processes right it takes five years to build this and this is the process you go through changing right now but still it's that in gaming you, you do whatever you want as long as you deliver okay it's fine <laughs> and, and this is what i like right because we are helping right now in the industry we're building so with both companies in one area i can deliver things nobody has done yet mm-hmm. and in the other i can influence this to be successful oh wow because it becomes part of the content part of the maybe the formats we create think about this race you talked about before right so we can make all these things come together as one great experience oh, and that's what we do at the end at the end we we are creating experiences not a product not a service not whatever it's an experience we want to bring to people and hopefully they enjoy I will say uh, experiences have been kind of the 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 word of late as I've I've been hearing on a, on a bunch of other people events and experiences have been on the tip of people's tongues all over the place as we get back into a or try to get back into a post COVID world we'll see how that goes in the future but yeah <laughs> for now no, exactly for now you're you're actually I want to talk about this other experience that we talked about earlier in the show about this kind of uh, new shelf for digital experiences 
and physical experiences kind of combining like in your your new venture with dos race uh, that's that's such an awesome concept to move into this and I, I know you're still kind of working out the kinks and all that but uh, when did you come up with this concept for you know seeing a, a a virtual kind of space and providing a physical aspect to it with dos race how did you hope to bridge that gap between those two different kind of realms i mean the Look, we, we, will, we always want to be first and being a little bit different than all the others. By, by create, and because we have on one of the, my companies all the technology to provide this stuff, right? There's mm-hmm. no need. To, so I can explain to my own people how to build it. But at the same time, I created on, on this race or with, with Veritas Entertainment level, we're creating the gameplay and come up with the crazy stuff we want to do. <laughs> And so there's no limit for me. So for me, it's like a sandbox, right? I'm like a little bit like a kid sitting in the sandbox, have all the toys for myself and can do whatever I want, which is really fantastic. Uh, but I have really great partners. So for example, one Dorian who runs with me, Veritas, great partner, great inspiration for a lot of these things, as well as Nike inside. There's a lot of people, I, my partners I work with from my CTO, Adrian and Mike from user experience point of view. So we're doing a lot of things together. Nobody can do this by himself. But what's really interesting with this race was rebuilding experiences on both sides, on, on my icon company as well as Veritas. And what we've seen is that when you, if you want to challenge the status quo, you have to try things, right? Mm-hmm. And we came up to say, okay, let's try this in LA. So we did this in LA and we had over 35 million people watching it, whatever, wow. which is great. And this was with influencers driving real physical remote controlled cars in a LA hall on oh, a real man. racetrack, sitting in their bath tube or on their bed or wherever they have been, crazy like they are. And this was fun to see. This was the first test for us. Is this possible? Does it work? Does people look, do people like it? And what we saw that there's a lot of potential behind it, not just for us as a game, but it could be an entertainment format of the future. And when we discuss this with Twitch, they see it the same way because if you look at TV, what is going on? Most of the TVs, right? The TV channels show reality TV bullshit, which is very cheap production bullshit. Blah. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Whatever. But, but if you have a format like this where people from home can maybe interact with it and control one of these cars suddenly mm. in a show... And, and, and actually can make comments and interact with the players and interact with making donations. We're working on the, this race, but which will be launched now, the next version of it, which will be kind of a free against free cars on a football field, soccer field, playing football, controlled by celebrities and UN people, whatever, to donate money for, for kids and needs all over the world, which I like. What I really love is, right, we do something good, we do it in a fun way, and we do it in a way which is sustainable. means I build it up, I let it run, we can use it now several times, people can donate small amounts, so they have fun because they can control the cars, they can be participating by by betting who who wins, who does the next goal, who does whatever. But we all bring it together under an umbrella of an entertainment format, which Mm -hmm. has all the checkboxes, sustainable, doing good for the world, fun, it doesn't have to be boring to do good. And this is what I like. And this could be easily the future of TV shows. Mm. Because my kids don't want to watch TV in the, in the future and lean back and just watch something. They want to somehow be part of something. And these formats in the future, there will be many more coming, I'm pretty sure, 
will make sure that these people can in the future participate in all of these things and have a little bit more than just watching some housewives or something doing something <laughs> hey man i i like those housewife shows no i know you do but that's why i mentioned it but you only like it because you, you look that you like their looks so ah uh, yeah well hey i'm like uh, don't tell my wife okay but no no no, no. We're, 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 we're 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 joking here but it's um Exactly. It's, it's, it's a secret. <laughs> but this is kind of goes back to your point of, of gamification, right? Does it, does it a little bit, yeah, you kind of involve the people in some way in a, in a kind of sort of mini game to, to be part of the entertainment they're watching on screen. And so, I mean, I'm just curious, right? How, how do you kind of put a value, put a number, a dollar sign, or I guess in your case, a euro sign on these dynamic and tangible experiences surrounding this kind of virtual space? Is it, is it kind of difficult? to put a price tag on stuff like this? I think right now we are in the pioneering phase when mm -hmm. it comes to that thing, right? Uh, for me, the valuation and the, whatever the money price tag is actually what we can get out of our partners by introducing these new formats and how much they're willing to invest in future formats. It has a lot to do with great explanation, great execution, and, and, and helping them to understand what it means. Because most of the people, when you explain it, like what we just did, a lot of people are still puzzled, right? In the, in the traditional world, what do you mean? I can control something in another city from here and this. So what we had to do with sponsors for the first race was we had to give them actually the opportunity to test it out at mm -hmm. home. So we said, okay, here's how you set it up. This is a controller. If you have one, most of them have one because they have kids and so they have any kind of controller which, which will work. And then we let them drive through their computer with the controller, these cars in another city. Once they did that, it's easy to sell. So the valuation of this and the money price tag is really based on the experience you create and what people then understand what it means for them. So I think we are right now in the, how to say that? Um, We're right now in the phase of setting the value instead of having a value. You're trying to figure it out kind of thing. I gotcha. Okay. Yes. That makes yes. sense. That makes sense. And so, uh, I mean, this is something that hasn't been done before. So obviously there's going to be some kinks to work out. There's going to be some some pricing issues to work out. So this is still in its infancy, if you will. So we're still trying to yeah. to get this on, on its wheels first, if you will, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. So um, I, I want to go back to really quick, because I, I just thought of this, back to the, the, the venue space, if you will. Regarding yeah. the growth of the venues, the growth of LVL and everything, is it getting it easier to build an esports venue in Europe? I know it's a you know it's it's a very lived in kind of area. So, is it kind of getting easier to find land, or is it getting easier to find like these buildings and renovate them to kind of build up a new esports venture, a new esports venue, if you will? I mean, the good thing is nobody built something like we did before. Mm -hmm. There's no there's nothing comparable out there. Nothing. Either it's too big because it's a real venue for big tournaments, whatever, which I don't believe in because you cannot fill them every day. You cannot make them really work because the stadium is there already. You can mm -hmm. use any stadium in the world for a big event, but you have not this kind of stuff we set up where you can do go daily and it's big enough to have all these things running, but also small enough to fill it up every day and give people a cozy home to, to talk with people and not feeling lonely in there, whatever. So um, so what what is it easier or tougher? I, I think in a way, Corona made it easier, mm. in, in a way. Why? Because we are investing now to go into two other countries, Brazil, China. And what COVID helped us with is that a lot of cool real estate in the middle of the city is free now. Oh, wow. Of, of a very sad problem, it helps us a little bit, right? I'm not saying it 
all Corona is good for us. I'm not saying that because we want to fill up our people, our venues, and want to have people come. But if you invest and you want to find good space and you want to get the property to the right price in the middle of a city, because we don't want to be in the outskirts. What we do, we build only these things in the middle of major cities. Mm. Otherwise, we're not interested. This has to be in the middle. It can, I don't want some nerds traveling there because it's just nerds. This should be for everybody. If you're just starting to get involved in gaming, if you want to know about it, you don't have to really be a professional, right? So we want to build this as a gaming community, but gaming community meets everybody mm -hmm. who somehow is kind of interested in it. And so we need... In the, in, the, in the middle of cities, we need that space. And that is actually right now helping us. Because when you go to major cities and you see what's happening, lots of shops are closing, which is sad. Not so many people are right now in the middle of the city. So there's a lot of real estate available because of that. Okay, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to hear there's at least some positive spin to the this this COVID nineteen pandemic we're undergoing. So obviously we don't hope this continues. Obviously, like nothing like that. But it just this is a little bit of a side effect to kind of help regrow things in the downtown area, if you will, of, of certain major cities. Right? I think you in a, in a, maybe that sounds too bold, and maybe some people think like there's a very arrogant <laughs> asshole talking right now. But but we are kind of. Like a like what in the what in the early days was the Apple Store in the in, in the middle of the community. People go there, right? And a lot of com a lot of companies wanted to have retail space next to Apple Store because there were so many people coming in. This is kind of what we do right now. When you go to Checkpoint Charlie, people coming to our venue, right? They're standing there, they're coming there. So we are the reason why people come back to the city and really stand right in the middle of the city because most of the things they they want to have they order online now. You know, with some really nice brands they have. But what we do, you cannot order, right? Yes. And so you have to get your ass off your chair and get out there. Uh, that's kind of the goal, isn't it? You, what, you have to provide something that people want to get to. And, and really, events and entertainment is part of that kind of real thing that gets people off their asses, really. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I got maybe two more questions I'll think of really quick. Um, what are the biggest challenges or like really big obstacles for esports in Europe that you guys will have to address either this decade, the decades to come? What are some big issues that you foresee coming? Is it a culture thing? Is it a business ideal? What do you think it is really? I mean, I'm always talking more about gaming than esports because I mean, esports is this ice you know, this tip of the iceberg, mm. which, which is part of gaming, but is not the majority, right? right. It's a, right. The, so the competitive thing of esports, I think, and this is a global thing, I think esports is global. I, I, like gaming is, 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 the whole gaming community is a really global one. It's when we work with clients and they get a sponsor in us, right? Mm -hmm. we, we say, this is global. You cannot do, because we have the location in Berlin right now open, that doesn't mean we are only there for Germany. The community online and the acting with us is coming from everywhere. They're from Korea to Brazil to whatever people talking to us. So, so that's a, a, I don't think it's a European against American against Asian thing. Uh, what I do think is what, what, what needs to be done in esports though is, and people doing it more in America, a lot of things happening where they get traditional sports, major people involved to structure it more like a traditional sports, which is more accountable, which is more like right now in esports, right? You'd never know the team, what's happening after the next season, what's happening. <laughs> it's like a kind of a wild west in a way. And I think the more it becomes structured, the more it becomes a little bit more settled down. I think the more it will grow because then other industries will get more involved. 
from bedding to whatever it will be just because of that it will be growing more um, and I think what the biggest challenge is for, for gaming on all this uh, overall in, in the whole world is that it really leads and, and or it, it lives with the titles out there and how accessible these titles are how much people can get involved from a money point of view that it really I mean what you see right now most of the major esports thing and it's easy to play because you don't pay for it mm -hmm. you just download it you get involved and I think this kind of thing will help everybody to get more and more involved and I think what you see more is that gaming or esports becomes more like a like a media thing like it will be shown more on TV it will be shown more on on other channels and people will get more involved by seeing that there's a there's a real league there's real teams like what i came came back to the professional thing yeah so you see now more and more people watching it already right there's actually twitch apps already on samsung tvs and whatever and, and already bedded in that that means something and so i think we will just wait a little bit longer but i think it will grow more and more like a hockey stick even more because i think the more we get older, the more people we get involved. Like people who are now 30, they will not change in 50s. They will still be involved in games and mm. still watching it because they grew up with it and that's part of their game, uh, part of their life. So I think we will just a little bit wait and, and you will see it will get bigger all over the world. And I'm pretty sure we are already in a good track. I mean, you guys are in the perfect position right now. Once that growth really starts to get going, I think you guys are, are in the, the perfectly placed spot right now to kind of take advantage of it and, and really kind of build out the, the industry as you see fit, which is awesome. That's, that's a position you want to be in. And so I have one last question. And um, I, I it's kind of a three-parter, if you will. But the first part of it is, are you strike me as a bit of a car guy. Are you a car guy? Car guy? Yeah. Yes, of course I'm a car guy. I'm just making sure. I'm like, he's German. He's been talking about Rocket League and, and a lot of car manufacturers. So I'm going to hit the, uh, the the assumption that you are a car guy. So I'm going to tell you this really good. This is a quick little story. Okay. Obviously, uh, my wife is, is part German. So she she wants to plan a German trip in the next two years once COVID uh, kind of subsides and everything. So obviously, we're going to try and hit up the Nürburgring once we get over there. And so I'm, I'm my question to you is, what kind of car should I rent to go drive on the Nurburgring. Are you an experienced driver? I am roughly 10 years experience at this point. And so I, I, uh, I've been driving. No, I mean experience with, with, with fast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been, I've been. Uh, you can yeah. do this in America? Not this specifically, but well, we have a, a racetrack north of here, about an hour north called the Texas yeah. Motor Speedway. Yeah, and they yeah. have weekends we can take your, you know, your dad's Corvette or something and drive it up there. And that'd be kind of cool. And so I, I did that with my dad. So we drove his Corvette around the, uh, the Texas okay. Motor Speedway. So it's, it's very circular, not at all like the Nürburgring, but I have driven it. 911 G2. Oh, oh, you already know. Okay. Very nice. The 911 G2. What any, any specific year or just any, any 911 G2 will do. No, the G2 is fine. G2 is fine. No more. <laughs> you can also get the GT3, whatever, but the GT2 is the best for, you get a lot because the car is easy to handle mm -hmm. and is F fast. Oh, oh, well then there it is. The 911 G2. That's the one I got to go for next. All right. Well, I, I, I mean, I, if you can get, if you get, I don't know your budget, right? <laughs> if you really want to, if you really, really want to hit it, oh yeah, let's take go. The nine nine eighteen Spider from Porsche. Oh, the Spider with the with the the convertible. Nine eighteen. If you take that one, this is another level. 
this is something where you throw up and then you sit next to somebody driving it and this is where you f where you see you know your past and your future and your present and <laughs> it all combines into one giant sheet <laughs> yeah but so I'm, i'm assuming you're a big porsche fan not to not to I denounce any sponsors I, I a porsche fan yes as well but but there's many cars but, but this is <laughs> porsche is a car It's it's for for people who are not racers, right? Like like also for me, whatever. It's a car you can go really fast because it handles so good. Okay. Okay. Like a lot of cars have their 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 sweet spot and their really nasty areas mm -hmm. and they go fast, whatever. Like the Ferrari, really because of the the thing which which they have in, on the ground. I don't know in English the word, but it really goes presses itself on yes. the street. But if there comes a little thing where there's no Thing pressing against it, you can fly it over the yes. course, whatever. You don't have this with a Porsche. There's no this kind of moment where you feel like you're not in control. The downforce is always there. That's what it is, right? The downforce. Yes. Oh, Things perfect. like that. But also from a handling, steering, whatever. There's no surprises. Awesome. Well, that, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. A, ha a well-handling car that I can crash into the wall in Nürburgring. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. if you put then a ball in front of it and kick that along, that's even better. <laughs> DOS Race, of course, coming up soon. I hope. I wish you nothing but the best of luck with that. I've seen videos of Thank DOS you. Race, and I really, really hope it takes off because I, I am I'm already invested in it. That's all. I gotta, that's all I got to say. Perfect. Watch it, I will. I will. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. You gave me some some quick German tourist driving tips, which I appreciate as well. And so, I mean, I, I can't wish you any anything else but the best of luck. And of course, if I go out to, to Berlin, I, I have to visit uh, Checkpoint Charlie at some point. Absolutely. See the, Let me know, please. Oh, yes. You, you'll you be the first on the list of people like, I, I, I have to notify. So. <laughs> but again, I, I wish you nothing but the best. I wish you uh, uh, the best of luck. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you. Man. Of course, you go to veritas-entertainment.gg at, at LVL Global on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. Follow them, and from there you can get to DOS Race as well. But uh, again, he's Thomas Felger, the CEO and Chairman of Veritas Entertainment, and I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. Yeah.